All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 137 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli. And uh, we are a few days away from game one of the Stanley Cup final. Colorado and Tampa Bay as the Lightning punched their ticket after winning four straight over the uh, New York Rangers. Of course, Colorado's been waiting after uh, sweeping the orders uh, in four, Frank. And uh, man, Tampa Bay, like no offense to Dallas or Montreal. But like this is a Stanley Cup final that a lot of people would have expected. Like these are two really dominant teams pretty much all season long. And you've got the uh, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning try to do something we haven't seen since the early 90s. And of course, the Avalanche, uh, this group of players trying to win their first ever Stanley Cup and, and be a team that's actually 3-0 and in the Stanley Cup finals as an organization. Like the storylines in this one, Frank, are, are long and, and quite impressive. I was going to ask you, and we didn't prepare this at all, but can you think when, when was the last Stanley cup final matchup this good? Like I'm just going through the list and, and again, no offense to Dallas or maybe St. Louis Boston was pretty good, but it wasn't, didn't have the star power and definitely no. wasn't as hyped up. I mean, Chicago, not, Tampa, maybe in 15. Yeah, kind of Tampa was still kind of the upstart. They weren't yeah. really like the heavyweight yet. None of the Pittsburgh series in 16 and 17 sharks and Preds that didn't do it. Maybe Rangers Kings 2014, but eh. honestly, I think you got to go back a ways to get probably Pittsburgh and Detroit, right? In 2009. Yeah. Yeah. 2009 and eight, maybe that's it. Yeah. So no, it's like you, you look at, at how many hall of famers there are future hall of famers in this series. And and then the fact like what Tampa's doing, man, to go three, even to have a chance to get three in a row is, is crazy enough. Uh, then you, cause you know, Pittsburgh had won two in a row. They didn't get, they didn't get to the, the Stanley cup final again. Um, you know, you go back to the uh, uh, Detroit. Uh, they didn't get to the Stanley Cup final uh, the, the year after. So this is really impressive. And then on the other side, you've got Colorado, who's might be top to bottom, maybe the most exciting team in the NHL. I'm, I can't stop thinking about this now since you said it. How many Hall of Famers are in this series? Well, let's look. I think. Um, so we got Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, Hedman. Hedman. Kucherov. 
Yeah. Stamkos. Stamkos. Uh, I think Braden, Braden Point wins another one. And Braden Point's going to have a really good chance to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think Here's a Nate, good one. Corey Perry. Yes or no? Whew, that's Just a really pure good. eye test. He's got a heart trophy. Yeah. yeah. I asked I, you guys I, this in buy or sell a while ago, and you both said no. Yeah. Tyler, where'd you come from? <laughs> I'm always ready to go. You're always lurking. Uh, I honestly, my, my gut still is good to be no, but if he wins another cup, then geez, this is three straight finals for him. Yeah. I mean, at some point that's not an accident, right? Oh yeah. No, he wins a lot. There's no question about it. Um, uh, he's already got a cup from 2007. Yeah. I, I, so I put him on the borderline. Okay. So okay. we got, so McKinnon that's Vasilevsky, Head. I'm just counting them out. Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov, maybe on point and maybe on Perry. So that's the potential of six. Now let's go to the other side. McKinnon and McCarr, I think are going to be hall of famers. Like Kale McCarr is early in his career. is just unbelievable what he's done. Yep. Um, after him, I, I think Miko Rantanen is the other guy um, who has a chance on that team. So that's nine. Okay. That's, that's do you see lot. anyone else? Like it's kind of early, like you know, in other guys' careers. I'm not sure if anyone's projecting early. I don't. On to, I don't think so. I think you know. Rantanen is kind of outside yeah. shot. He's got it. Yeah, he's got an outside shot, but he'll have to have obviously a, a he solid needs 100 six, point season. Years. A couple. Yeah. Yeah. He, he needs to check some boxes. Um, yeah. But nine nine potential, potential Hall of Famers. Yeah, it's crazy. Out like, of 40 there, players, give or yeah, take. Yeah, and there is a lot, like, that's like almost 25% of the guys in, that are playing. It's ridiculous. So it's, um, you know, a high-end talent. Like, you just look at the the difference in how they're both successful in Hedman and Makar is, to me, what's one of the most intriguing storylines of this year. So explain that. Well, you look at, like, Hedman's just, Makar can't be six foot five, right? But Makar, I believe, is so much more explosive like his skating, his edges. And I know we'll have one of his teammates, Matt Calvert on about it uh, today. But when, when you look at Kale McCarr, like you saw when he did and depends, some people call it a Mohawk turn, Frank, some call it an Eagle turn when he was defending McDavid and he doesn't cross over. Like you just don't see that, right? It was, he's so fluid. Whereas Hedman defends, you know, he's an elite defender as well. They just do it very differently. I mean, I, I know we've used this comparison before, but Makar is a freak of nature. He is. And Hedman is a force of nature. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. He Hedman is to move that well to be yes. a, as you're that big is so insanely hard. Yeah, I agree. And not only that, he he doesn't lack for offense. Like we, you know, we talk about explosive and entertaining, and you know, Victor Hedman has piled up the points. Yep. In a way that few defensemen have over the last 10, 20 years. It's it's incredibly impressive. And he's got all the hardware to match. Yeah. Well, the thing about Hedman is he's so good defending Frank that a lot of times you kind of it doesn't stand out. You don't even notice it because he barely gets beat and he's rarely out of position and he just does all the things. Well, I've talked to so many forwards about Hedman and then they say, you, you know, you talk about his mobility because when you're six foot five, then you throw in his reach. There's a lot of times where you guy like you just can't get around him like there's nowhere to go. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And yeah. then to see you know, the overall team success defensively that the oh. lightning have shown in their commitment to win. How many guys are we going to see going to the locker room in their parade down the tunnel? Every, it's yeah. every night yeah. you see four different guys like, Oh, this guy's getting repaired. This guy's getting an x-ray. This guy's, you know, they're picking up his teeth off the ice. I, I can't say enough things about Tampa and their path to this point. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're entering the final as, as this big an underdog. I, I don't even, see honestly, this being that much more than a coin flip and no. the, the abs are pretty significant betting favorites in the series. Wow. Yeah. Like, like the other matchup, cause I know McCarr and, and Hedman, you know, they don't necessarily go head to head, but watching Nathan McKinnon and, and Hedman, like they're going to, you know, we, we saw McCarr and McDavid a lot last series with Taves and, you know, and hey, don't, don't overlook Taves. He's hugely important. But I look at, at the McKinnon matchup because like Hedman, Colorado, when, when they, 
they haven't faced a defense core that's that big and that mobile, right? Like Colorado's forwards are so good. They overwhelmed Edmonton's defense at times. They just did. And Tampa Bay's defense is just so big and mobile. Like Sergachev and, and Cernak is such a strong, strong man. Like it's, I'm, I honestly, Frank, for, I can't remember the last time that I was this excited to, to watch or just to see the matchups on both sides and how they're going to go head to head. And, you know, you know, Stamkos and Kucherov and those guys against Makar and Taves. Can they can, can they contain those guys like they did McDavid and Drysaddle for long stretches in that series? So do you know what matchup I'm most interested in? It's the Avs forwards against Andre Vasilevsky. If you look at the path to this point in the final, round one, David Riddick, then Connor Ingram. Round two, Jordan Binnington, then Billy Huso. Round three, Mike Smith and a little bit of Miko Koskinen. Which one of these is not like the others? <laughs> like, let's play a little game here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I just think there is, well, I think there's a few things in play to start. One, I think Colorado is going to have a real tough time dealing with their layoff. You saw how long it took yeah. Tampa to get in gear in the Eastern conference final. We're going to be, I think nine days between yeah. games for the abs. And that's a lot. Yeah. So the, the lightning are, are hopping pretty much right back into it. They go Saturday to Wednesday. It was like just enough time to really feel good about, you know, your, your, your body sort of starts to return to normal again after three, four days. Um, but I think there's a frustration factor that could be very real for the abs. Cause they haven't first off they're 12 and two and haven't faced a lot of adversity. And second, they've chased a goalie from every series that they've been in the starter. The guy that started the series was yanked at one point or another, every single time. What if, not what if more like when Vasilevsky has one of his Vasilevsky games, does the frustration factor set in for an abs team that hasn't had to deal with a whole lot? Oh, it's valid. And like, to me, I look at the, like if the, the goaltending matchup is, is big advantage for Tampa Bay, right? Even if Darcy Kemper comes in, I, I don't put him in the same category as Vasilevsky. And, and that's a huge advantage for them. Is anyone this, in the same category as Vasilevsky? Jess Durkin was close, right? but you're right. There's very few guys. I think Andre Vasilevsky with a win in, in this series, I think he goes down potentially as the greatest of all time. He might like his, his lateral movement, Frank. He's so, he's so quick side oh. to side. And, and the scary part is Kevin Woodley for men. I don't want to take any credit. It was all Kevin talked about. If you're ever going to get to Vasilevsky, you got to do it in the first round. If you look at his numbers in the first round of the playoffs, Frank, compared to rounds two, three, and four, it's night, like night and day. He was sub 900 against the Leafs. And, and he's being kind of average in other first round series. But once he gets past that, like he's a brick wall. Like you look Tampa Bay, what they give up three goals in the, uh, in the whole series against um, Florida in those five in the four wins or what was it? Five. Like they, not just Vasilevsky, but their whole team could just shut teams down. Like it's mind blowing to me in today's era. So I love how everyone felt like they, you know, with all due respect to Mike Kelly from NHL Network and Sport Logic, they're like, "Oh, this is the secret sauce on Vasilevsky, high blocker side." Like, oh, okay, great. Like, they can't. First off, teams haven't been able to get to him, and second, like he shut that down too. Yeah. When you look at the way the Eastern Conference Final unfolded, six goals against in Game One and seven the entire rest of the series. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? Well. And they were like, almost all scored on the power play. Yeah. He, he allowed true. so few at even strength the rest of the series, maybe two, three. Like it was like nothing. Yeah. He, like they're Vasilevsky's so good. He gives their team a boatload of confidence, obviously. But then the, the, like the system they play in front of them, it's just they're This is going to be a great test, Frank, because you've got Colorado who's being the highest scoring team in the playoffs. And then you have, of course, Tampa Bay who's proven they can shut down anyone. Like what they did, Frank, you just outlined the numbers um, after game one in that series, what they did to Florida. Like this is, this is the great matchup. And the scary part about Tampa is they still have the offense. If you want for them to, to score if need me. And, and I really wonder about, 
the return of Braden Point, which seems inevitable, whether it's game one or not, Frank, he's getting closer. You know, they they think it's game one. And if Nazem Kadri can't play, like that's such a massive advantage for Tampa Bay because now they have their top two centers and Colorado doesn't have one of theirs. So without, you know, I can, I don't have all that much information to reveal, but I'd be very surprised if Braden Point does not play game one. Yeah. Uh, he almost played in game six. I know they were talking about it the morning of, and and they decided against it. Uh, he's very, very close. I know he's playing at some point in the final, but I'd be surprised if it's not game one. And then I know that Jared Bednar sounded really optimistic about Nazem Kadri. I personally don't see it. Like that was a major surgery on his thumb. And I just don't know how you can possibly protect it enough to allow him to play, you know, how do you grip the stick? Uh, how do you prevent re-injury this close to surgery? Um, you know, there were fractures involved and, you know, that's a tough one. So I, I just, I don't see a path for Kadri. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But if do you start, if Kemper, is, by the way, pardon, are you starting Kemper or oh. Francois? I, I, I have to, I don't, I, I, I think Pavel Francois, Frank, um, if you look at games two and three, Edmonton had no scoring chances. Like they had literally three high danger scoring chances in that game. And you look at the Ryan McLeod goal, it was a terrible goal. Um, then once Edmonton got some chances in game four, they scored a lot. I I just, you, you've got to go with Kemper. He's the better goaltender. Um, if even, even if he's maybe at 85%, that's the guy I start because I just, I don't believe that Francis can win you a Stanley Cup against Tampa Bay. Hmm. So I just, you know, not to sound all horned up about Vasilevsky, but I have to ask, since we talked about Hall of Famers, if Vasilevsky wins a third straight Stanley Cup with the numbers that he's had in the regular season, the Vezina, the Conn Smythe could win a Conn Smythe again. Uh, like, is could he be the greatest of all time? Like, you've got Hashik, Wab, Rodor. Where does Vasilevsky fit in? Oh, I think it's, I think it gets, he, he starts putting himself in that conversation. I don't think there's any question about that. And now he doesn't have the longevity yet of those guys, but that's only because of his age. That's not his fault. Right. Uh, um, so if he has three now, you know, who knows what can happen in the next decade? Can he, can he figure out another one or two maybe at some point, which sounds ridiculous, but I, I think for sure, Frank, he's up there and it's a, you know, especially because when you look at how the game was, was trending in the, uh, in from basically like 97, and through until 2004 like it was it was not offensive hockey compared to today and in the in the higher octane offense Vasilevsky can still put up huge numbers for okay, a goalie so, so here's another good one to size up Vasilevsky if he were to retire at the end of this series with a win he'd be 27 years old Hall of Famer or not? Oh, Never yeah, play a, a game again. No, he's a Hall of Famer. So he is the Ken Dryden of now. Like he could just Ken Dryden, Cam Neely, those type of guys. Yeah. Yep. So Ken Dryden played the same, it would be the same number of years, eight years. And Ken Dryden won how many Stanley Cups? I'm looking right now. It's, I mean, to think. Yeah. Ken Dryden won six in eight years, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. Different time though, because you know, smaller league, fewer teams. No, I right? know, but yeah. still, but it's still, six still in impressive. Eight years is insane. Yeah. yeah. But still impressive. Three straight in the salary cap era is insane. No, that is insane. And yeah. I would say that uh, Vasilevsky uh, has a chance to win the Smythe even in a losing effort, I would think. Fair or unfair? Um, possible, but man, the way Kale McCarr has played for Colorado, if they win and, and he's, and he's as impactful, he has been, I'd be hard to overlook him. But I mentioned to Tyler last week on the daily Faceoff show, and I'm happy to have him come in in a second, uh, to, to chat odds and, and a little points bet bonus question. But if you look at the odds and you look at what if, what if Nathan McKinnon has a ridiculous yep. series? Oh, him too. For he sure. has a ridiculous series and, and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon cancel each other out in votes. Yeah, that's and possible. If the Maybe. series is like a seven game series, for instance, and Vasilevsky's stupid good. I think he has a chance to be the first 
winner in losing fashion since 2003. Jaguar, yeah. Yeah. It's possible. You know what the scary part is, Frank? If Tampa Bay wins, the only veteran on their team who's not signed next year is Andre Palat. Right now, they, and Nick Paul, of course, but he was a trade deadline acquisition. Their key guys are all still there. I think they find a way to re-sign Palat. Oh, yeah. I could see it, too. So, but it's just... Like it's, I know it's everyone I know listening, everyone's like, why does this guy have such a boner for Vasilevsky? Hey, he's like, good, I, it's like all I've talked about. Like he's he, like, when you have that guy, your team oh. can be 60% good on some nights and find totally. a way to in the playoffs. It's a huge, that to me, the biggest advantage in this series, like if I look at the forwards in Colorado, I might give them a slight advantage over Tampa right now, uh, top to bottom defense. I'll give the advantage to Tampa Bay slightly. I give Colorado. I think Tampa Bay has a massive advantage in goal. I it's it's massive is an understatement. And then the, the longer layoff, meaning I think Colorado could be off to a tough start in the series. I don't know. For me, I'm looking at, I'm going, I don't, I'm still not understanding why the two time defending champs, Oh, they're tired. They're this, you ain't tired when you get to the fourth round. You're just not. No, I would agree. Let's bring in Tyler, uh, Ty, how you doing? I'm doing great guys. I'm doing uh yeah, just fantastic all around. I'm very excited to be here for another edition of fill in the blank delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Welcome to that's the wrong episode. Or that's the wrong button. I'm having a day behind the scenes here and the listener will hopefully not notice any of it, but this is the right button. There we go. 25% and no delivery fees with the promo code rundown DD. I have a history nugget for you guys. This is the first ever Stanley cup final where the two teams playing, their name doesn't end in S. Nice. Lightning Avalanche. It's only ever happened like three or four times in North American pro sports. So there you that go. That is the weirdest that I've ever heard. Yeah, I saw it. What on the other ones? Shit. I don't like, know. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't even fact check it. I just believe anything I read on Twitter. Because hmm. you think yeah, about good it, like, thing. <laughs> it's like I the white. such a brutal tweet the other night when the lightning won. I listed a couple teams that have gone to three straight uh, finals. And I was like, oh, the Patriots, the Bulls, the Yankees. I left off like seven other teams that have done it, like something insane. I was like, that's it. Elite company. And I, like, I sent out the tweet and everyone's like, Oh, that guy just got ratioed. And the worst part is I left it up for like an entire day before I just ended up saying uncle and deleting it. Everyone's like, I guess you didn't see Cavs or warriors yeah. or a bunch of other, like does Frank watch the NBA? And the answer is no, he doesn't. But you should, I'll tell you right now, you have a, a real boner for Vasilevsky. Watch Steph Curry, Frank, yeah. that guy, he is worth the price of admission. All I like day, Chef Curry. Um, I will say that this is, speaking of NBA, a very NBA-like finals matchup. It is. Fair? Yeah, that's true. Why is it that the NBA, their playoffs always seem to build towards the final? And the NHL, the first round is the best. And as each one you go on, it gets a little bit less interesting. I think it's just because of the unpredictability of the NHL is what makes the sure. so good. Whereas in the NBA, the star power is really what drives it. Right. So it's just, that's why they're the reverse, but you want the series worth all the marbles to be the one that's the most compelling. And yeah. it rarely, as I just mentioned to start the show, it rarely ever is. Yeah, that's fair. That's why you need to savor this. We should. So that uh, ties in nicely to my first question. The most dangerous offensive player in this series is blank. Frank. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say Nathan McKinnon, but I did have to think about Nikita Kucherov. Okay. Jason. You're, I, f- I think I know what Jason's going to say. Yeah. Well, I don't want the same answer. So I'm going to go Kale McCarr. Mm. I, K- oh, Kale I thought you were going to say Steven Stamkos because he has been so good. Yeah, he has been really good. But, um, but McCarr is McCarr can attack as that fourth guy coming in late so often in his transition game and anticipation as I watch it, man, it's impressive. Like he, he had five points. Like no one even talked about the fact that he had five points in the clinching game against the orders. Like it almost got overlooked, which is crazy. But yeah. here's the only thing that like not and I'm not not I love Kale McCarr, not knocking him at all. But he was very quiet against the Blues to start that series. And he was actually quiet really kind of the whole time. He had three points total and zero goals. 
how like there are games when he just isn't impacting the score sheet. He's always impacting play, I think. But that's why I had a hard time not answering him as the most dangerous. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I wrote this one earlier, but you guys kind of answered it. I'm asking it anyways, because again, my brain isn't working, so I can't come up with a new one on the fly. Even if they lose this series, Andre Vasilevsky is already a top blank goalie in NHL history. Jason? Oh, he's for sure top five. For sure top five. Would you push it to top three already, or does he need a little bit more than that? You talked about the longevity of his career. Yeah, to me, to, to when you get into top three or four, I do think longevity matters, right? Because now it's the greats of the greats, and Raw and Brodeur and Hasek, and there's other guys we could put in there probably, but you know they were not only great for the peak, but they were great for a long time. And so the only the reason he doesn't have the, the great factor yet is because a distance because he's only young like he, he can't suddenly jump to be 37 but when his career is over i won't be surprised i could see the argument that he might be at the top of the mountain when his career is over yeah i think you have to park the longevity part because he just it's not not his fault so i i would say i'd say right now i think he's top three Top three already. Interesting. Uh, going to some off-season talk really quickly here. Uh, Frank has a new story up on dailyfaceoff.com. The top 10 buyout candidates for this off-season in the NHL. So I want to ask you guys, the most intriguing potential buyout candidate in the NHL is blank. Frank, I'll let you go first. Mark Edward Vlasic. It is a massive buyout. He's got four years left, so it's eight years of dead cap charges. I'm going to say that the Sharks don't do it. And I think the reason for that is I don't know what they're thinking, why they want to do it this way, why they seem to ignore reality. But from every indication I've had from talking to people who have interviewed in San Jose for that GM job, the stress from business ops and ownership is we are competitive. We are not rebuilding. And I don't get it because you've had three straight years in the lottery zone. And so to run this same team back again, makes no sense. Um, Vlasic's play. He has his, his career has cratered. He's gone from 20 minutes a night to 15 in two seasons. His production is way down and he's 35 and his contract doesn't end through his 39 season. I can't, he's, it's ugly now at 7 million a year and it's not going to be getting any better. If you really want to be competitive, I think you have to swallow hard and buy him out now. And if not, I just feel like you're only further kicking the can down the road to the point when you do actually buy him out. Unless you hope that he just LTIRs himself one day. Yeah. Like I, cause uh, obviously I looked at that one, Frank, and um, I wonder if they wait even one more year just because I'm like, cause he can play in your third pair. He's grossly overpaid, but he can play in your third pair. Um, uh, Brett Hedekin said, you know what? He's got to train different. They feel he's got to get different cardio and stuff. So you feel like, okay, let's see if that can happen. It, it's, at least then maybe he can be more effective third pair guy, but he's never going to live up to his contract. There's no doubt. So it comes down to do the sharks, feel that buying him out um, really allows them to go out and be the, the, you know, the big spender. So I don't don't know if it does. I was looking, Frank, like there's not a lot of like huge money guys that, uh, that, that are like possible guys. Like, so that, that's, what's interesting. I think there's a lot of candidates that could be bought out this year. Guys that are around like, you know, three million, three and a half, which isn't, isn't a crusher for teams. So I, I don't really have an answer to be honest with one. Cause I was going to say Vlasic too. So I don't want to copy on that one. Cause there's not really another guy that I looked at. I think's realistic on a big, big ticket, but by no guys like at four million, like, you know, there's lots of talk in Edmonton. Well, the orders by out Zach Cassian, right? He's, he's, he's number 3.2. one on the list. He's 3.2 cap hit. He goes from 666 K to 1.8 and then, you know, 966, I think it is. So like, I'm not a big fan of buyouts. I rarely think it helps your team long-term, but that's kind of the, you know, the lazy, easy answer, because I think it, it can make sense for a team that's trying to fill out, so free up some cap space. Right. If you're the Oilers and you're trying to free up $2.7 million in cap space or whatever it comes close to, like there's very few avenues to do it without giving up an asset than that. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, Vlasic, the other one that I thought about for the answer was Matt Murray in Ottawa. Um, it's $5 million in real cash savings. Like that's, that's big. Um, that's the other part of it that I think people, you know, in this flat cap pandemic, you know, it's the issue with teams that especially Canadian ones that struggled revenue wise, like 5 million bucks on your bottom line is like a big, big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a great line to wrap this one up where I was going to say, is that Cassian's number one and number two is a goalie. So go read the story at dailyfaceoff.com. But number two is indeed uh, Matt Murray. My answer is Philippe Myers, because I think the idea of a team trading for him to get that cap credit for a year, if he's bought out, you get an extra 670K. I think that's fascinating. And I really wonder like how many teams are actually going to be in on the bidding, so to speak, to try to get that contract. I actually spoke to a GM last week. We were just kibitzing about cap situations and he said, Oh man, I'm really in one. I said, well, have you looked into Philip Myers? And he said, what? And I explained it. He's like, Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. Well, happy to help. Uh, okay. Wrapping it up with the points bet bonus question. Shout out to our friends at points bet Canada live in Ontario, the Colorado avalanche minus 182 to win this series. The lightning are plus 150. Meaning if you put a hundred bucks on the lightning to win, it would profit $150. That doesn't seem right to me at all. Um, but I mean, I think we can all probably agree that it doesn't seem right. Like should be closer to 50, 50 in my opinion. Anyways, PointsBet offers a neat bet where you can wager on what the series will be after three games. Like, will it be three nothing, two one lightning, two one as whatever? So that's your PointsBet bonus question. What will this series be after three games? Ooh, I will say two one Tampa. All right, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think they win the first game, lose the second, win the third on home ice. And that would pay out a nice even plus 200 over at points bet. That's going to do that doesn't feel like enough for me. Plus 200 to make a bet with that much specificity. Yeah, but like it's three games, right? It doesn't say you like you don't have to nail the order. It doesn't have to go Tampa, Colorado, Tampa. It's just Tampa's got to win two of the three. But yeah, that's fair. Um, I do like them at plus a lot of possibilities there. Yes, yes, there is. Uh, All right. That's going to do it for another edition of fill in the blank delivered by friends at DoorDash. Yeah, I mean, th- that line does surprise me, to be honest, of plus 150 for Tampa Bay. Like, I, I mean, I got, I don't I got to be thinking people are, are hammering that like, hey, I like Colorado. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like them that much at all. Not with that layoff, not with the injuries they have. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. I say this and could look like a total idiot in two weeks, but I took my playoff winnings from this year and piled the entire thing on the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> so that's a good 20 bucks, eh, Frank? <laughs> actually, I, I I crushed it this post. Oh, there you go. Well, um, so you're going all in. So what's your prediction? All in. I have the lightning in seven. Seven. Okay. I have the lightning in six. It's rare that we're on the same page. Yeah, I know. And my picks have sucked this year in the playoffs, to be honest. So. Oh, that makes me nervous. Thank you. Yeah. I think I am I'm 11 and two. So that's pretty good. Yeah, no, I think I'm like seven and five, maybe, or eight and eight and five, or yeah, it's not good. Seven and six, even maybe. No, eight and five. Yeah. Did you pick the Oilers last round? Yeah, I did. Okay. After not picking them against Calgary. So that was stupid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, I did. Uh, I had Tampa, so I'll stick with uh, Tampa. They beat my team that I thought would win all year in Florida. So, yeah, we got a guy coming up who is all in on the abs. (laughs) Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, let's get to Matt Calvert. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Our next guest is the pride of Brandon Manitoba. He played 11 years in the National Hockey League, 566 games between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Colorado Avalanche. He's a fifth round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets back in 2008. And since then, he has started his own sports management business, Cal Sports Management. The Matt Calvert breaking into the agent industry. Welcome to the DFO Rundown. Matt Calvert, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me, Frank. Yeah, no, really glad to have you. And I, I'll start with a, a not so nice question, Matt. You've got the Colorado Avalanche who you played for last season, advancing to the Stanley Cup final. Do you have a little bit of FOMO now as you're watching these games? Massive FOMO. I had, uh, I had FOMO all year. I, I really struggled to watch any regular season games. I was probably five games total. And, you know, you want to watch your buddies. You want to see how they're doing. And, uh, and you're just, you're almost jealous all year. You just want to be a part of it. Cause I knew how good, good the team was, how good of guys they are. And, uh, and I've made sure to watch every playoff game and, uh, a little, I, I guess, I, I guess the best part is I'm, my wife and I just uh, booked a flight today. We're going down for game one and two and going to hang out with some alumni and cheer the boys on. So, uh, you know, I, no more FOMO anymore, I guess. Well, yeah. So you'll be in the building at least and, and feel maybe some of the same excitement and energy, but you know, when you look at your career, you're a young guy and we'll talk about your second career, 32 years old. Uh, you played 18 games last year, just injuries that prevented you from continuing on. Yeah. I had major back surgery, uh, May 24th of, of last year. And, and I actually had a spinal fusion done and it just, uh, you know, my back was pretty good my whole career and out of nowhere it went on me and, and that was the only option. And I, I was told that I, I could never play again. So came at me fast and, uh, yeah, it's been a full year of rehab to, to get back to the new normal and, and feel healthy again. Matt, how long did it take you to accept that diagnosis? Well, I wasn't really given any other option. We, we tried the whole cortisone steroid shots, um, you know, try to get rid of the pain in your legs. And, and anytime I moved, even if I did a 20 minute elliptical ride after a, a month and a half of, uh, of resting it, I would, I'd be walking around like a, like an old man and, and bent over. So, uh, I accepted it pretty quickly. And, and I think right at the start, I, I was, you know, I was ready to move on, you know, obviously going to miss the game, but I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But, um, I wasn't fine and it took months and months and, and still, still trying to get used to what, what life is going to look like now. So you mentioned you're going to games one and two, are these going to be the first two NHL games that you've been as a fan since you, uh, since you turned pro in 2010? Yeah, this, uh, I had never been to an NHL game before I played my first one. So, uh, this, this will be the first, first two. So this will be your first one in an NHL building when you weren't on the ice. That is a, that's amazing. So is, is Matt Calvert going to be rocking a Colorado avalanche Calvert Jersey or you got a McKinnon or what? Like, do you have a favorite player? What are you wearing? Well, I got, uh, I have a Ranson, McCarr and McKinnon in the basement. It's all from, uh, I don't know if they're for charity golf tournaments or what it was. I got a few personally signed ones. So yeah, I'm a, I'm an Avs fan for the next few weeks. Obviously I'm getting into the, the agent world, but I, I got to ride it out with the boys and then do everything I can to, to, you know, help them get the Stanley Cup. When you look at this team, Matt, and, and all that they've accomplished, obviously you were there for when they were a really good team as well. What, what do you think as, as you've watched these playoffs go along a bit that they've sort of learned or gained uh, along the way in this journey? I think uh, I, I really like the moves uh, the manager made to the deadline. Uh, I love the Josh Matson ad. I, I love the depth in the bottom six. And, um, and it's paying off. You're seeing guys like Darren Hellman, the one series, uh, 
Cogliano, Comfer, O'Connor, they're, they're chipping in and, and then you have your star power. But the maturity for me, it's, you know, I got there when, you know, McKinnon mid twenties, Gabriel Lanniscott kind of, you know, 26, 27, and then Kel McCarr coming in as a rookie. And, and you see all these guys growing and also Miko Ranson too. He's, he's, he's a young guy as well. And you see all these guys grow and, and they lose out three years in a row in the second round. And, and, you know, you can either let that frustrate you or get better and, and they've done nothing but get better as you see how dominant they were in the regular season and, and through the first three rounds of the playoffs. So you mentioned you had your back surgery May 24th last year. Were, were you around towards the end? And, and what was that like? I guess, you know, sort of spending time around that team that had such a good regular season last year too, to then lose in the playoffs the way that they did. And, and some of the frustration that was really apparent from guys like McKinnon and others. Yeah, I was around. I, I was there every day um, for the first few games. I, I was stuck on, uh, on my lazy boy trying to watch and not get frustrated because I, I couldn't bend or twist for the first three months of surgery. So uh, post-surgery, I should say. And uh, yeah, it was Vegas was kind of that, that hurdle they needed to get by and, and it didn't happen. And um, just a tough way to finish, especially as a player that, you know, you can't do anything about it. And you watch all your buddies that you battle with for the last three seasons, trying to, trying to get over that hurdle and, and get to the conference finals. So definitely very frustrating, but uh, super happy for what they got going right now. Matt, I, I want to get to more on the abs in a sec, but I just want to quickly follow up on the surgery. You mentioned you can't twist, you can't bend over. Like, you know, you're a super active guy. And then all of a sudden, kind of, as you mentioned, out of the blue, what caused the injury? What, what happened that led to, you know, being so severe? I had a, I had a stress fracture in my spine um, when I was in junior hockey, when I was 19. Um, I got invited to World Junior Camp, which was a complete surprise to me, the winter camp. Going there, there were some role spots open. They they ended up winning it that year, actually. And I went and couldn't move. I, I missed four games before it, tried resting. And for me, that's the only back injury I really had my whole career. Um, I, I believe it was just wear and tear. And I was in Arizona one day and I took a shot in pregame skate and I, I felt you know it tweak and went back, locked up on me. I missed 10 games, came back, felt great for another five, five to 10 games. And then it went on me again. And, um, it's, I think it was just getting banged around my whole career and whether that was a weakness from when I was 19 years old or not. Um, but yeah, definitely a tough pill to swallow. What's the prognosis long-term? Like, are you going to be able to, you know, live a normal, healthy life, you know, wrestle with your kids, all that stuff? Yeah, I got uh, a four and a six-year-old, two boys and and extremely active. Um, so uh, that, that was the big thing for me is what's the best option here where, where I can live that life. And and I'm a very active guy. Um, I I love doing all sports. You, you name the sport, I love to do it and, and my kids do as well already. So um, the if you work out every day, I found out the more you move, the better. And, and Tiger Woods actually had the exact same surgery. So that was kind of who I looked up to. And I said, you know, if he can play on the, the PGA tour post-surgery, then I can certainly have some, have some fun with my kids in, in life and maybe play some old timers and, and get golfing again. So did you know that you always wanted to be an agent? How did you go through the process to become uh, a sports agent? Yeah, it's something I always thought of. I had kind of talked, uh, I was with Titan Sports Management throughout my career. And I, I talked to a few guys there about post-career and it's something as a player, you get bored, you think about what you would like to do next. And, um, this year, uh, I actually worked as a development coach at the Brandon Weekings while I rehabbed and I really got to see the coaching side of things. I, I do like it, but the, the time commitments and the traveling on the bus and junior hockey, it's uh, it, it's a tough gig. And, um, you know, I, I found myself very pro player as a coach, you're dissecting the players. You, you want to make them better. And, as a development coach, you you really work one on one on the ice and off the ice, and and that's kind of an angle I want to take in the agency world. Is you know my partner Joe Calaturi is a, is a lawyer, and and he'll be dialed in on the business side, and I'll learn that as time goes by. But I, I want to be there for for the kid and use my experience and any of my teammates' experience that that I've seen and and just help them get to that next level. And and just to be a small part of some of these players' journeys is the uh, the thing that really enticed me. Yeah, you, you did the bus thing already five years playing for the Wheat Kings. Um, when you look at, you know, the agent business as a whole, it's really intriguing because you've got some giant, you know, companies and agencies on one side, and you've got a lot of really smaller, you know, sort of, if you want to call them that boutique agents that have, uh, you know, really carved out some nice niches for themselves. When you look at you know, the business as a whole, you mentioned, you know, pro player and lending your experience. And there's some other former players that of course have jumped into the agent business. What do you think will set you and your group apart? 
I think the, the big thing of what I just mentioned that, uh, you know, we can kind of come at Joe Kelleger, my partner was a junior goalie in the WHL. So he has played at a high level. Then he went on to CIS and, and then became a lawyer. And, and I think what will set us apart is, is not growing too big, too fast. Um, the one complaint we hear a lot when, when guys are with those big agencies and they do a great job, but it's just, they have so many players and we really want to focus on who we have and getting those guys to that next level. And, and if we grow fast, uh, we'll grow with it, you know, and, and that's kind of, that's our plan right now. And, um, like you mentioned, there, there's some boutique agencies and, and that's probably what we'll start out as and, and take it day by day, learn, get better every day and, and see where we can go with this thing. You go from uh, being the player. Now you're going to be a fan for the next few weeks, Matt. Um, take me back to uh, the playoffs in 2019. What did you know, if anything, of Kale McCarr before he stepped into your room that year in the postseason? Uh, uh, when we were in Calgary, we a few days off in between games. <laughs> um, he was, I believe he was playing uh, in, in the Frozen Four final or whatever it was. So he we, was we the watched- national championship game. Yeah. And we watched, uh, I probably watched him play two or three college games at the end of the year. And, and that's pretty much all I knew of Kale McCart. And he came from the Alberta junior hockey league, which I, I thought was intriguing. Um, but, uh, he actually moved in with my, my family when he, when he first came to Colorado. So I got to know him personally right away. And, and what a good kid This uh, you know, I always say 50 games into his career, he seemed like an old grizzled vet, just the way he carries himself. And, um, and then on top of the talent that he's got, it's, uh, it, it was a real fun guy to be around. He's only 23 years old. So it's a special player. Well, I knew he had, uh, I knew he had lived with you uh, for, for a bit. And so, you know, how much, um, importance do you put on that to, you know, here's the guy who's likely going to, you know, they have some franchise players, obviously in McKinnon, but Kale McCarr is a very different player. Um, you know, there's very few guys like him in the entire national hockey league, Matt, how, you know, are you there more as a big brother when he's your roommate as a mentor? How, how did that relationship evolve? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, the one thing for me is as I got older, I, I really liked helping young guys out because I didn't come from a hockey family. Um, you know, the NHL was very new to me and uh, I had so many questions when I got there and, and I just tried to surround myself with veteran guys that could help me out. And, and I wanted to do the same for the young guys. So for Kale, anything he needed, whether it was uh, a real estate agent, uh, you, you name it, a good restaurant. I, I tried to be there for him. And the, the running joke in the room is Kale would tell guys that Kelby's your guy if you need something. So um, I, I guess it was always practice to go in the agency world for, for myself. But I, I really like helping people out. And when you got a great kid like that uh, and with a future like that, it, it's real easy. I've heard a couple of guys joke, Matt, that, you, you know, Kel McCarr is the type of guy you want to marry your daughter, just super polite and nice, uh, as you mentioned, but just the maturity factor that he stepped in the game with, is he the same person now that he was when he started? Yeah, he, he hasn't changed at all. Um, just super humble. You know, I, I text him the other day and I go, Kel, like, you know, love your game and i love your two-way game i love how you're you know they're showing highlights of him defending mcdavid and you know, one of the best players in the world and and uh and he just says you know thanks a lot calvin means a lot coming from you especially and and just stuff like that you know it shouldn't mean anything coming from me he's, he's kale mccarr and he's he could be the best d-man that's ever played the game so just a super humble kid and um just you know feel honored to to know him as well as i do so Matt, you got plenty of view of Tampa playing in the East uh, to start your career in Columbus. And, and a lot of those same guys, you know, from their 2015 run to the final are still with that team. How do you size up this, this Stanley cup final and, and where it's heading? It's uh, I, I think it's great for the apps. It's, it's going to be a hurdle two years in a row. They're obviously the Stanley cup champions and, and to go there three years is unbelievable. Um, you know, they, uh, for, for me, when I, I played in the East, Tampa was one of the most annoying teams to play. They, they were skilled. They defended. They, they were a total package. So, um, the, but the abs do fly. And, you know, I had a conversation with my buddies right before this, and, and he's a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan. And, uh, you know, we kind of both don't know which way it will go. I have the abs in six, and he's got Tampa Bay in six. So, um, no, it's, it's going to be a fun series. And, and I, I think once we see game one, and, you know, I, I saw the, Tampa has the ability to shut it down and, and do what they did to New York four straight games there. So as long as the abs don't get frustrated and, and find a way to solve that, I think they're going to be in a good spot. How do you break down, Matt, as a forward, 
that defense core in Tampa Bay. I'm not sure there's a defense core that's that big and mobile from number one through number six. And and obviously, you know, they played a lot of times together. You, you got Hedman and then you throw in McDonough and Sergachev and Cernak and Jan Root is probably really underrated. He's just a solid guy. What's the best way to attack them as a forward group to have success? Well, Pierre, Pierre Edward Bellamar was my line mate in Colorado the last two years and he's in Tampa now. And we had about a, two hour conversation this year. And, and my, my first question, obviously being a development coach was, you know, what, what does Tampa do? That's great. And, and he used the word predictability and without going in too in depth, he said, this decor is so predictable. Everything is, is D to D over up. Um, and as a forward, that makes the game so easy to play. And yeah, he obviously went in a little more depth, but you got, you got six guys like that that can play and, and now you you now look at the forward depth on the avalanche and they're losing Nazem Kadri and whether he's back or not. And and I, I talked about the depth depth players chipping in and and that's going to be the big question for the avalanche. Can can they produce against that good of a decor? And uh and to me, if they if they find a way, then they're going to be successful in the series. You you had a front row seat. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's unique in the sense that there's not many superstars that can elevate their game to an even higher level when it's already as high as him. We obviously saw McDavid and Drysaddle do that. And we've seen McKinnon do that in the past, Matt. Um, I'm assuming he's going to have to do that as well as the rest of the team. But what about McKinnon's game? Once you became a teammate impressed you the most, or was there something you saw that you didn't see as a, as an opponent? I think the big thing is the, the ability to bring it every day. And that goes right back to how he trains, what he does on and off the ice, the treatment he gets, he, he gets worked on every day. He's got an amazing trainer. Um, and, uh, and it's just, he's such a pro. Like I, I was an older guy in the room learning from a guy in his mid twenties and, and the way he handles himself. And obviously he's very close with Sidney Crosby and I'm sure he's, you know, Sid's rubbed off on him a lot and, and what it takes to, to be great and, and to, potentially win championships. And, um, that, that was the big thing for, uh, for me watching Nathan McKinnon is just how he brought it every single day and, and how bad he wants to win. And it's infectious being his teammate and, and what a, what a leader he is. The other thing that rubs off on teams is the attitude of your coach. What's Jared Bednar like, you know, I, I look at John Cooper and the Tampa Bay lightning and how they're a team obviously through experience helps, but John Cooper never seems rattled on the bench. He always seems calm. Doesn't matter what's happening. Jared Bednar seems a little more excited at times um, and is also someone that, you know, has a, probably a pretty commanding presence, I would think. What's he like? You know what? Bedsy, to me, I, I would best I could explain him as a new school coach. He, to me, coaches every personality. He lets you, you be you. And and tries to get the most out of you. You know, you bring in Andre Burakovsky, who is, you know, struggling to find a spot in Washington and, you know, a regular top six role. And, and he finds a way to make him score. You bring in a Val Nishushkin, who, who's really struggled in Dallas. And, you know, I don't know how many goals he had in the last 60 to 100 games he played before he came to us, but they, they find a way to make those guys thrive because they put them in situations to succeed and, and believe in them. And that's what's, that's what Joe does. CMAC management. That's what Betsy does there and the whole coaching staff. And, and, you know, I always go back to a story. My first year there, we ended up sneaking in the playoffs as the eighth seed and played Calgary. Well, we lost, don't quote me, but 21 at 25 games mid to three quarter way through the season. And Betsy was in there preaching confidence throughout the whole 21 out of 25 losses. And, and for me, it was like, when are we getting bag skated? But he just, he, he's a very positive guy. And, and he, he really wants to create that environment for players and, and make them really enjoy coming to the rink every day. Well, you said it was your first year, so you were just coming from playing for Tort. So I guess you were expecting the bag skate at some point. Um, how different, uh, if you were to compare and contrast the styles, is, is Tort's different uh, in person and on the bench than what we may see on camera? Uh, if you're compared to Betsy, they were polar opposite coaches. Uh, but no, Tort's is, Tort's is a guy that, you know, whether some players love or hate playing for him or just okay. After, after you're done playing with them, uh, the amount of respect he shows you and, and what he does for you. And I know some former players that he's vouched for, for development coaching jobs or whatever it may be, but at the end of the day, Torts is there to win. And, and that's the, the one thing I 
really loved about him was he just wants to win hockey games, whether you're the, you're the top player, or you're, you're the 12th or 13th forward. If you're not doing what, what he asks and, and what's expected out of you, he's going to hold you accountable. And I, I really respected that because a lot of times top guys and, you know, some organizations get to do what they want. And, and one thing with Torts is he created a culture in Columbus that everyone's equal and, and we're going to win, win by committee and win as a team. Matt, having played in Columbus in the East and then you go to Colorado and you were there regularly, did you notice a difference? Is the altitude at all an advantage for Colorado in this series? I think it's it's always a huge advantage game one. And I'm not sure how how early Tampa's getting in there and getting acclimated, but um, it's you watch the St. Louis. I think it was the St. Louis series. How how tired and how great the Avs looked game one, and then game two was was much more even. And and I, I know going in there as an opponent with Columbus, I even in warm up you would almost feel feel tired and sluggish, and and it would take you about a period to get going. And some guys are affected, some guys aren't. But it's a definite home ice advantage in my mind. I know training there all year and playing, and and then coming back to you know closer to sea level in Manitoba. I my cardio was night and day. I, I felt amazing. So. It's uh, it is a huge difference, and and hopefully they can use that to advantage in game one. That's why I wanted to ask you: Do you find that players or teammates did guys go into Colorado in the summer, like earlier in August, just to spend the last three weeks or a month training before camp, because it gave you a, a better advantage as far as cardio through the season? Yeah, I I would say so. I I went a little bit earlier, um, and then COVID had us had us stuck there in the bubble, and so my last few years was a little bit different. But a lot of those uh, Crosby McKinnons, there's a group of uh, elite players in the league that go train in Vail, actually, which is a much higher altitude, uh, about one to two weeks before training camp gets going. So yeah, it's it's definitely an advantage, and uh, it kind of gave them that extra step heading into the regular season. So they go for the altitude, not, not for the scenery. I'm sure a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, Jay, you want to play a little rapid fire? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, Matty, uh, the only rule in rapid fire is you have to answer the question. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right. What, what is the most important trait an NHL agent should have? Honesty. That was the exact word I was thinking when I heard the question. <laughs> what is the worst trait? an NHL agent can have? Oh, um, cocky. Cocky. Oh, all right. Um, what would, how do you, do you know, like what's a sales pitch for an agent? How, how do you go and get your first, your first, uh, your first client? Like, are you Jerry Maguire? How, you know, what are you going to be as an agent? For me, it's, you know, there's a lot of bashing in the agency world and I've heard it myself, other agents trying to get me at times. And, and for us, it's like, there's so many great agents and then we're just starting out and, and we know we, this is going to be a, a three to five year process at least to build. Um, for us, it's just, we, we're going to care about you. I've been there. Um, you know, I, our network is decent and it will continue to grow, but uh, we, we just want to create a great relationship with you and, and be a part of that journey. And that, that's the approach me and Joe will take. And, um, and we're not going to be, I, I'm not a huge sales pitchy guy. It's just, uh, I want to help you out and I want to do it the right way. And, and I'll be in your corner. Who is faster McKinnon or McCarr? McKinnon. Ooh, all right. I like it. Who's faster, McKinnon or McDavid? McDavid. Who's a better skater, McKinnon or McCarr? McCarr. Which player did you love playing against the most and why? Um, is this for my benefit or love watching? Well, yeah, I know your benefit. <laughs> oh, man. Um this is this rapid fire is real tough. Uh, See, you got to That's the thing. You got to answer the question. So you can't pass. Uh, all right. Uh, who do I love playing against? Um, Let's go. Artemi Panarin. I played with him and, and against him and one of the funnest guys I've ever watched play. Okay. Which player annoyed you the most in your career? <laughs> Probably, uh, let's go Zach. There was a lot, but Zach Ronaldo was, was a very annoying player. <laughs> <laughs> of all the, you know, you played uh, almost a decade. Uh, Matt, who is the funniest teammate you had? Oh man. Uh, the, 
I, I'd say the first one, especially was uh, Jake Porchek. This guy, this guy was unbelievable. He, I saw him in Traverse City for the first time, and his pregame was a, a foot long from Subway and a pack of Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> How long did that pregame last? Who, who got him to change his pregame? I, I don't know if it ever changed. I mean, you're going to have to ask him that, but it's, I, I don't think he's changed many habits. He's just an elite player. Oh. I got, I got to know Jake really well here in Philly. And I just, I don't know if I've ever seen him be serious for five minutes. <laughs> he's a beauty. If you, uh, what is your cocktail of choice, Matt? Uh, I'm a vodka water guy. Try to keep the calories low. I love it. I like it. And uh, so you're going for games one and two. What if uh, game five or seven are clinching? Will the Calverts be going back for a chance to be in the building when you can hoist the cup? We're going to have to figure that out when the time comes. I got uh, a wife and two boys. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe you bring the boys down and give them that Stanley Cup final experience. Oh, yeah, that would be quite. Hey, you'd be uh, you'd be pretty good dad list for that one. Uh, <laughs> lastly, Matt, of all the um, coaches, who was your coach at one level that you felt had the biggest impact in your career? I'd say Brad Larson. Um, he was my coach in the minor leagues and then my head coach, uh, the lockout year, we, we started in Springfield and, and, um, my second year pro, which is the year before the lockout, I got sent down and I thought I was an NHLer and, and he, he was brutally honest with me, uh, in a good way and, and really helped me work on my game, create an identity of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys that think they're point guys in the minor leagues and coming out of junior got 99 points my last year in junior. Of course, I'm a skill guy. I'm going to play top six. And he made me really understand what it's going to take to, to get your foot in the door and then stay there once you do that. So um, obviously I had coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets now and, and just a, a great human being. Matt, does that conversation happen in his office or over dinner? Or is that one that happens numerous times? That's one that happened in his office to start and then it turned into video and it turned into practice habits game habits and, and just the, the commitment he had to me as a player, you know, to brings me in two weeks later, Calvi, where do you think you're at? Well, pretty, I think I'm playing pretty good. I got two goals. No, you're not even close. Let's, let's take another step. And, and I really learned, of, you know, how to be a pro from him and, and how to bring consistency. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what I, I want to pass on in, in the new world I'm going into. If the Colorado avalanche win the Stanley cup, which teammate will be the closest to partying like Alexander Ovechkin? Oh, um, I don't know if I want to throw anyone under the bus here. Oh, that's uh, a positive say, thing. Oh, we're man. Yeah, we're celebrating this. Man. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's man is a positive. Like somebody, you know, could just party for quite a while. It's a good thing. I would say, uh, Nazem Kadri is, is going to have a, going to have himself a time. Him and, him and Burakovsky, I think would be a good duo to start with. <laughs> awesome Matt thanks so much for joining us on the rundown alright guys I appreciate you having me and then hope all is well enjoy the enjoy game one and two man You're, I can't believe this is your first NHL game as a fan pretty lucky fan to get to go to game one and two of the Stanley Cup final oh I'm pumped I'll be, I'll be cheering hard for the boys Matt Calvert just a genuine good dude, man. Real good dude. And I'll uh, be curious to see his uh, foray into the uh, to the agent business. Uh, I like, you know, he's kind of got a plan, build slow, get a few clients. And it is funny, Frank, I've talked to more and more players. The, uh, as you termed it, the boutique agencies, I think are something that uh, more players are interested in because some people just aren't getting the, you know, the, the service that I think they feel they, they deserve when they're, um, you know, in one of those, you know, massive uh, agencies that has like a hundred plus clients. Yeah. And it's not a knock on those agencies at all. Cause they, you know, they're big business and they've killed oh, it. Uh, yeah. they've got some incredible people working for them and they're really smart, but I can't tell you how many players I've spoken to over the years and have, you know, you know, they complain to me and say, Hey, I've, you know, I've been with this guy for 14 years and I'm a free agent today and I'm in my mid to late thirties and I'm looking for a contract and I haven't heard from him all day. I haven't heard from him in three weeks and it's July 1st. And you're like, well, it's not the way it should be because they're off yeah. servicing the next guy that's getting the next $60 million deal on free agent day. And you're looking for your little one schmill, you know, deal. And they don't, that's, there's a pecking order. It's based mm -hmm. on dollars incoming yeah. and that's how it works. That's how it's always worked. But when you, when you're at a boutique agency and I'm not saying one's better than the other, 
Um, it, it the, the truth is that you are their end all be all like you are their everything. You're their, you know, their meal ticket. And for the longest time you have, they've grown with you. So that's the one thing about, um, hockey players. They're so incredibly loyal that they, it's not often that you switch agents. We've seen more recently that players do that. Um, but it's pretty rare still because players feel like, oh, well, I, he's been with me and my family since I was 14 and I can't change. And it's like, well, you're paying them, not the other way around. So yeah. just remember that. And, you know, uh, really good and refreshing to hear from Matt Calvert because there's certain players that you come across and I don't know Matt at all. First time I ever really talked to him ever was on this Zoom call, uh, taping this pod. and. He, you know, you hear players that are favorites within a locker room and you can understand why, because he, there's no, like, not, it's not fancy. There's no fluff. Like he just, you know, super straightforward. And I love that. He said, what's the key to being an agent? Be honest. I think it's one of the keys in life. Biggest one. Yeah. In everyday life. I love it. Frank, uh, have a good trip to uh, Denver and uh, we will uh, talk to you on uh, Friday. As uh, you'll be in uh, Denver, I'll be in Montreal. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.